Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. That's Briscoe. I'm Bradshaw. And when cable television first went nationwide, that's when wrestling first went nationwide. And there was one star that carried it all across the nation, hotter than any baby face that the wrestling business has ever seen up till that point. Everybody talks about one guy. That is Mr. Tommy Wildfire Rich, the wild-eyed southern boy. (laughs) Great to have you on the show. Hey, thank y'all for having me, man. It's a pleasure. I think I want to hey, ask Tom. you first of all about the most important thing ever. How about that time where Gerald Briscoe and Michael Freebird Hayes ran over you in a parking lot? What the heck happened? You're well, the hottest in the country, and they run over you. We was in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and they was gonna climb the mountain, and I wanted to climb it with them. And hell, they took off, and I ran. Hit, they hit me and knocked the windshield, knocked the side wind out, and kind of spoiled climbing the mountain. But anyway, I, I got in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's some crazy stories back then. Now here, here, John, here. Let me set this. Uh, this is this is uh, the 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 uh, the hottest guy in wrestling in the entire United States of America and North America, probably. Because WTBS had just become the super station. And Tommy, you, you were there in, in, in the beginning, the transformation. I mean, we went from one week of being a local regional promotion and to the next week being a, just a, a national uh, splash. I mean, we were everywhere. And uh, things changed so drastically for us being a talent, even, you know. And, walking through airports and just the everyday life, all of a sudden yeah. you worked at local TV uh, wrestler. You were uh, uh, a United States uh, superstar. Walk us through that trend, how, how it felt for you and, you know, what, what it meant to wrestling at the time. Well, it was just, I mean, you know, back then, Ted Turner, I mean, uh, he was, he was, he was cable for cable was cool. I mean, uh, you know, there were people trying it, but Ted Turner, he come in, he did it. And and I think what really saved him, he had the Atlanta Braves and he had Georgia Championship Wrestling. And which the Braves, they wasn't doing very good back then. But, you know, that was his team and he, he plugged them. And uh, just Georgia Championship, I come in. And, of course, when I come in, they, uh, you know, only at first night I was there at the Omni, uh, I mean, not the Omni, the old city auditorium. I wrestled Abdul the Butcher. He beat me in. 30 seconds and uh and and anyway Jerry Jerry told me he said son if you see it ain't gonna work out he said just call me and I'll get you back home and I said 
Lord, it might be time to go home. But anyway, I stuck it out and uh, only put me and Tony Atlas together. And we were the first uh, salt and pepper tag team and, and won the titles. Uh, so it was just, it, it was, I mean, I just was young. You know, I was like 19, man, just cruising it, you know. And, uh, I was a country boy. It was it was all new, man. You get to come be on that seventeen, and like Jerry said, uh, you was like Terry Terry Dory come in to do TV, and Terry told me one day. He said, "Man, he said I got so mad the other day. They were going to Albuquerque to wrestle, and they pulled in the store. And he said these little gals come running out, wanting to know where Tommy Rich was. You know, so <laughs> it, was, it was just a it was such a big deal, you know. I and of course back then I didn't realize it. Today you know what it was." You know, but it was uh, just and Mr. Barnett, one of the greatest promoters, you know, the best, probably the best one I ever worked for, to be honest. And uh, he just took it, treated us like gentlemen, and uh, we just – it took off, you know, like Jerry said. I mean, it was – and pretty much overnight, I mean, I'd been there for just a short while, and then it, when it went, you know, across the country, I mean, we'd get mail from everywhere, and it just – it was big time. I mean, I talk about big time wrestling. That's that's when Georgia turned to big time wrestling. You know, when when it's something, you know, people people see Ted Turner and everything, but you remember? I mean, we did those TV tapings what seven, eight o'clock in the morning, right? We were at yeah. WTBS uh, on Saturday morning. John, what had a you been to bed yet? Oh what no! Well, that's a, that's the story of Friday night in Atlanta, like you said, either at the city auditorium in the early days or the Omni. When now, when we went to the Omni, we we're pretty much you know the the big big things there because the Braves sucked at the time and yeah. the Hawks were sucked and uh, all all the professional sports in Atlanta sucked. And the wrestling was like a lot of different local uh, local territories where the wrestlers were basically the start of the local town, and so uh, we would have we'd have Atlanta on Friday nights, and and you know I mean Atlanta's Atlanta. You're going to go out, and you're going to have an adult beverage or two after after the matches, right, Tommy? No matter no matter where you're at. So you know Friday night oh, yeah. we, we would get going. We would have to be a TVS at the studios at I believe it was what seven o'clock in the morning and start yeah, taping about, around eight thirty right. nine like o'clock. Eight or nine, you know. I mean, it was uh, you know, and you had to be there ready to go too. Uh, you know, of course, Friday night in, in Atlanta it didn't end until about four, three or four, five in the morning. So you'd be. <laughs> I see Wahoo McDaniel one night, one morning we come in and. Lord have mercy, he'd been out all night and then run his car into a wall. Shoot, he made it on into TV, had dried blood on his head there and wrecked his car. Because I mean, everybody wanted – you didn't want to miss that Atlanta TV because it did. It shot you around the country, man. And it was – I mean, like – well, everybody wanted to come be on it. Like Big Dust, I mean, he'd come in. Because what it did, it just built you up as a bigger star in these other territories because people could see it nationwide. And, and at that time, the promoters, of the, you know, the big thing was, oh, cable TV is going to kill professional wrestling. It's going to kill it. And it killed it as we knew it back then, but it just exploded it nationwide everywhere. And like yeah. Tommy said, guy, uh, promoters like out, 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 out in, that, in your, your neck of wood, Fritz would call, hey, I want my boys on, on your TV. Kansas City would send guys in. Everybody was sending guys to Atlanta to get on that Atlanta TV because it was so hot and so big. So 
Tom Tommy was 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 the guy that kind of just stood out among everybody else and had that southern hillbilly charm, as I call it there, and uh, that charisma. And he 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 would uh, get on there, and uh, and and uh, those young ladies would melt at his feet. I've seen him walk into hotels, and uh, and the women just go crazy. There's Tommy Riches, like the grannies like, love me too. Now don't forget about the grannies. I seen them beat all the up in cane many a night. Well, you know yeah, what probably love. what bothers you the most now? You go to an autograph session, and it'll walk a walk a nice looking young lady, and she'll say. Tommy, my great, you were my grandmother's favorite wrestler. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, but we, but we would do like you said, John. We 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 would sometimes those nights in Atlanta wouldn't end until you walk into the TV studio. Oh, we'd yeah. Have to I do, mean, it was you know. We do what two tapings that morning in Atlanta. And, and and Turner was usually there, the thing about it. And some of us, like Tommy, myself, my brother, Wahoo, and Dusty, some of uh, Ted would see us dressing in the hallways, and they said, come into my office, guys, and dress in my office. Yeah. Right? So we, yeah, would, Ted, we were dressing in Turner, Trinity he was, clothes in yeah. Ted, Ted Turner's office, one of the most powerful men in the world. We were we were changing into our wrestling gear back into our street gear. And there were no showers there either, but at least he had a sink where you could do one of those. Uh, get wet, yeah. But, yeah, it was, yeah, wet, I mean, he, but of course, and, and back then, he knew that that was his bread and butter to the rest. I mean, because that's what I, I really believe that's what made 17. Uh, Tommy, we lost you there. Like, uh, I did. are you there? I'm here. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question while your daughter figuring out how to get it back. Get you back. Oh, well, my there. wife loves you. That was my wife. That wasn't my daughter. Oh, your wife. Well, she's young, looking like your daughter. You know. So yes, I. Yes, you did. How did you get so? How did you get so lucky? But anyway, Jerry's still you sweet know. talking to ladies. That's pathetic, Jerry. That sweet talking. <laughs> <laughs> your daughter's back need? on. Thank tell goodness. Me, tell me what we need. We had Stan Hansen on here, and it took him an hour, and we was trying to figure out how to get him on. It was like it was the worst tech show you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jimmy Garvin took about thirty minutes to get on, and he flies a plane. Lord have mercy! I seen Jimmy Garvin. I don't know; it's been four or five months ago, but I ain't seen him in forever. And he was sitting at this table. We just uh, autograph signed it somewhere, and he was there. And I, I swear, I didn't even know who he was. He kept looking at me, and I thought, why is this guy looking at me? And then finally he come up, and he said, you don't even know who I am, do you? I looked again. I said, no. He said, this is Jimmy Garden. Of course, then I knew who it was. But, boy, he just looked completely different. <laughs> Gorgeous Jimmy Garber might be something else now. Now, now he's just yeah. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Garber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've all in ages hit us all, I reckon. You know, Tommy, one Tommy, thing. Tommy, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but uh, we were known at, at Hertz Rent-A-Car in, in Ohio, <laughs> and we were actually barred from Hertz Rent-A-Car in Iowa. Uh, not Iowa, but Ohio. Yeah. Did you wreck any of the did you wreck any of those Lincoln Continentals? Yeah, we started, we started it budget up at the top, and by the time we got through rent, we was down to rent a wreck a car or rent a wreck, whatever it was called. <laughs> yeah. I told we were lucky to Lincoln get those, out. were we? I told I told them a brand new Lincoln. One night I got three DUIs in two nights, told them a brand new Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it was, but it was wild up there too. I mean, we all, of course, Roddy Piper, he crippled one too, you know. We all had our turn, but uh, yeah, the roads were just so curvy up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people find it hard to believe these rental cars were used like bumper cars back in the day. I mean, Greg oh, once hit me going about 90 miles an hour just for fun, just for the heck of it. Oh, yeah. In that Harley race, he was the best at that. One night, everybody told me about it. I'm going down the road cruising at night, and all of a sudden, I feel something hit me. Hell, he got his lights off, and he pushing me about 100 miles. <laughs> yeah, Harley was famous for that. Yeah, Harley would sneak up on you. You wouldn't even have a clue. And how he knew it was you, I guess he was just hoping, but how he knew it was yeah. you. I know he couldn't remember the license plate number because he couldn't remember his damn name, but he'd get right up behind it. All of a sudden, you feel this whack. You get this whiplash. What the yeah. hell? Then you'd look and all you knew it was Harley back there. You're going yeah, 100 mile an hour and Harley pushing you down <laughs> like a damn NASCAR, Talladega down, going down <laughs> Talladega straightway, man. It was wild. Yeah, shoot the, the store. I mean, just just getting to live. The wrestling was great. I mean, that it was an honor to get in the ring with guys like you and Harley. And you know, because I was a youngster, man, and, and y'all took the interest in me. But just just the camaraderie and the stuff, you know, after the matches and and like we're like when y'all Dustin would come in, we'd always go to Country Roads. I remember one night we went to see old Jerry Lee Lewis, and he he was about half dead. IRS to eat him up. <laughs> he had to. He had to play. He played about two songs, and he had to leave. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a great time, man. She, was, I'd have paid for that. Got paid to just wrestle. You know, it was just. You know, you talk about living a dream, man. It was. I mean, it, it's. It's still. You know, you look back and 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 us. I mean, forty years later, I mean, folks still. You know, you go to these signings, and many people know know us as they do the new guys. So, you know, it's just back then, the '80s was a great time. The wrestling fans were great. I mean, and and got to make a living just doing what you love for forty years. It's, it's a blessing, and uh, you know, the greatest fans in the world are wrestling fans. Tommy, Isn't that right? You know, Tommy. There's the fact that uh, Vince killed the territories, you know, which certainly he took over, you know, a big part of the part of the world. And he was the one that ended up winning finally in the end, but it was cable television that killed the territories. Right. Because somebody, somebody was going to win. If it wasn't. Oh yeah. Somebody was going to do it. But, but I just think, I just, I, I think, you know, there's a, you know, people say that the cable killed him and, and I, I might've believed that too, but I sit back and I look at it now. I just feel like maybe territories had run their, you know, run their period. You know, everything has to change whether you want it to or not. And I think in order for wrestling to stay alive, it had to go from territories to, to the cable and just went nationwide. Because, I mean, you, you back then we'd go like here in Georgia. Every Monday night we was in Augusta, Georgia. Every Tuesday night she's in Macon, Georgia. Every Wednesday night she was in Columbus, Georgia. Then on Thursday – We'd be either in Athens or Rome because it wasn't big enough to carry a weekly show. So they'd do them every other week. And then Friday, we'd do Atlanta City Auditorium. And then on Saturday, we'd hit that TV at about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, do it. Then you'd have to get in the car and haul butt to uh, Columbus TV because it was a live TV. You wouldn't even have time to change sometimes. you just have to jump in the car and go and grab you something at Mickey D's or somewhere. Then you go somewhere Saturday night. And then you'd have Sunday off, but then they found out they could draw on Sunday, 
So then you'd wrestle about seven days a week, 10 times out of the week, you know. So it was, you know, and it just, I think, I really think, you know, I always thought that Cable, you know, and, and it might have been a part of Kelly, but I just think that uh, Territories had run its cycle, you know, because, I mean, just coming there every week and trying to do something different, you know, just it, that's that's hard. You know, the bookers that did them jobs, you know, hats off to them because it's, uh, you know, it's just that, that's a real hard thing to do. Tommy, Tommy, I think you're exactly right. You know, uh, cable TV and, and Vance and a lot of other people get they get blamed all the time. But if these guys would really go back in history and check the status of the territories during that time, I mean, and I and I, I'm, 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 I'm old as can be, and I know that. And Layfield will, will remind me of it every 30 minutes. But uh, <laughs> he's also from Oklahoma, Tommy. But don't hold <laughs> that against him, okay? He, he's my friend. But he, he just happens to be home. But the business, <laughs> business I'm going to run for office and I'm going to build a wall, not on the southern border between Texas and Oklahoma. No. And I'm going to have Oklahoma pay for it, Jerry Briscoe. We ain't paying for it. We ain't paying for it. But anyway, John, let's get back to business here. You got you, 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 Hey, Tommy, forgive him because he, he's going to run for political office. And, and, <laughs> With my everybody knows that. He's a fast talker. <laughs> Everybody knows how corrupt the state of Texas is, and John Layfield is probably lead, the leader of the pack down there. But uh, uh, in, in those days, I mean, you know, the talent roster that that we had in Atlanta, besides the guys coming in for special shots, I mean, it was it was the Hall of Fame of, of wrestling. I mean, you know, you you said a few names while ago, Wahoo's. And, 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 you know, Andre would come in, you know, Dusty would come in, you know, the, the road warriors. I mean, the selection of guys that we had to work with and work, uh, work, uh, work around was, was just amazing. I mean, it was amazing where everybody, everybody could be at main event on a certain night. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's like you said, each territory, I mean, it had its top, top, you know, top crew of guys that could draw money anywhere, you know, I mean, and that's, I think that's that's what's hurt the uh, with cable. You lost such great talent. I mean, because you know you might be working say Georgia, and somebody else be working in Tampa, say you, and you can make as good a living as I was here. You know, and that that kept the crew of talent. I mean, and you'd go here and there, and everybody would switch up. I mean, uh, you back then Texas had how many three or four territories back then? You know, I mean they had tops. You know, top top crew of guys in each territory. So, I mean, that was, I mean, and then you're underneath talent even. I mean, you could make a living up even if you worked underneath. If you love, you know, loved wrestling, you could, you know, you'd make a, you could make a decent living doing that, you know, and then maybe go to the next territory and get a break and boom, you was on top. Where the guys today, you know, you got one opportunity, one opportunity, that's it. You know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different horse now than it used to be. But you know all all these territories that you know at the, at the advent of cable TV, you know, uh, uh, check the record books, and they were we were all the territories we were all starting to decline in attendance. You know, I mean, it yeah. was the end, the entrance, and like you said, I think we had become stale because we were we were having to be, and like you said, fifty two weeks out of the year we were in Tampa, we were in Miami. I mean, you know, and the yeah. same goes all over the country. So. Uh, when when cable TV did hit, it was just fresh. It was a new concept. You could see different guys here and there, and you know, and uh, 
and it actually was was starting to revive. I mean, uh, North Carolina was starting to come back. Florida was starting to come back, you know. So it, it wasn't cable TV. It was just a lack of management, I think, uh, during that time. And and, uh, and it wasn't the talent because the talent was great. At, 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 oh, at yeah. Down, you know, because uh, they were drawn when they come to Atlanta TV and get on there automatically. If somebody from Kansas City came um, and appeared on our TV, boom, the next three or four weeks, that territory was hot because yeah. they, those guys had been on that Atlanta TV. So uh, it, it, it was just a, a unique time, a frame. We were so fortunate to come along at that time there. Oh, the uh, 80s, yeah, man. be a part of it. You know, it, I mean, it, and, and I, I really think, I mean, everything's a cycle. And then, you know, I, I, I think there's no blame on really nobody. I think it just, shoot, we was, I mean, wrestling was wrestling before the 80s, but, I mean, it become just hotter than a firecracker. And, of course, that's when Mr. Barnett and Ted Turner had the cable. But at the same time, Mr. Barnett, he just – he would use guys and send to different territories. I mean, he didn't try to run nobody else's area or nothing else. And I think, you know, I, you know, I just think it just run its cycle. You know, I mean, uh, it, it was a great time. And then people shoot. I mean, and they still talking about it. So, I mean, we, we, definitely, we definitely left an impression. You're exactly right. Guys wouldn't run against each other, you know, even with the yeah. cable TV. I mean, that that was really the issue that we, my brother and I had, as you know, Tommy. I mean, we, we were, we, you know, the only reason we got to run at uh, Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, because the old chic Eddie Farhat had been in there and he burnt the damn place up. And if you were, you remember, because you traveled with me a lot, the troubles yeah. that I would have when I go to radio station our building, our, our, our promotional partner, hey, she owes us $10,000. What do you go? Well, I can't do anything about that, but I can promise you that, you know, we're only up and up. And we, you know, everybody, you know, thinking we're, we're making all these loads of money there. But what we're doing with that money, we're investing in the next town because we had to build up the jackpot to invest in that next town because we go from Dayton over to Columbus run into the same issues. So we'd have to take the date money and, and prepay Columbus every, every week to build a trust factor up there. Yeah. And when, when you guys came along, we started selling out every, every, every two weeks up there. Then we got that trust factor and, and, and all those advanced deposits. But I think in Cleveland or one of those towns, like we had to pay a, a one year in advance just to get to town for one shot, John. Wow. Yeah, I, oh, I remember. I mean, in that, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, God bless him. I mean, you know, but and then there again, he, I mean, he brought it in the ground and things and fell off too. Uh, but it, there again, it was just a cycle run out, and y'all had to rebuild it all. I mean, it was, it was uh, like you said, it was. And when we went up there, we were hotter than firecracker, but getting them doors open to get up there, I'm sure, was a different story. Just what you're saying there. So none of us, I mean, I didn't know that, but I mean, I understand that I'm sure he had a bunch of bills that he didn't pay, you know. But uh, those were my point, was, but those were the only three states that we could go to that wasn't occupied. I mean, uh, we were looking at, we'd, we'd get those big, big booklets. I think I showed them to you sometime. Uh, you know, they get those big booklets of the ratings, the towns, and we get, you uh -huh. know, each town broken down. Well, man, Cleveland's got. Two million households that we're hitting. Why aren't we running in Cleveland or, or Pittsburgh or you know we'd look at that. 
well, so-and-so runs that town and we can't go in there because that's his town. Well, hell, he runs it once a year, but that's his town. We got three million viewers in the damn place here. Why can't yeah. we go? And, 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 you know, the loyalty of those NWA, the one thing you got to give them, they had loyalty up to a point where they, until they started losing money, but they were loyal as hell to each other and would not step on each other uh, other's feet. That's the reason they were so scared of cable because they didn't know who would end up with it. And, uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. And that, and that's, and that's true. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it was because I mean, Mr. Barnett could have done it before anybody, like you said. I mean, when Eddie Farhead shut down, I mean, we went up and y'all did, y'all, you know, we busted, of course, we busted wide open, but the doors y'all had to get open to get in there, you know, that's that's a whole different story, too, you know. Hey, Tommy, I remember like the books you're talking about, the books and stuff. I remember, yeah, I used to travel with Jerry, you know, we, <laughs> we had a little fun, too, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, some of it's a blur. Some of it's hard to remember, but I remember a lot of it. <laughs> I spent a month one night with Jerry down in Tampa. <laughs> heard that. I heard it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Tommy, when you first went to Atlanta, you got a little history here that's kind of unique. Uh, Gerald Briscoe was one of the first black and white, if not the first black and white tag team champions up in the Carolinas with Thunderbolt Patterson. You were the first there in Atlanta with Tony Atlas. I was one of the first with Ron Simmons, Ed Coco and uh, Owen earlier. And we weren't the first, but we were one of the first. Had the Dudleys and ECW. Was that uniqueness that you had with Tony Atlas? You had this wild-eyed, crazy southern white boy, this charismatic character with this really good-looking, incredibly built guy that they put together. Was that uniqueness one of the reasons you think you got over so much as a singles because you were out there with Tony? Well, uh, I was just I was just in a hell of a position. But me and Tony had our run together, and uh, and where I was so fortunate is is like, and Tony did help me. I love Tony, you know, as much as I love my own brother. I mean, he he used to carry my kids on his shoulder through the airports. You know, I mean, he was he was like family, and uh, you know, I mean, we still talk now, and uh, not as much as we probably should, but yeah, of course that helped me, but. Just, I mean, just getting to wrestle the talent that come through Atlanta. I mean, that helped me too. And and I was different. I was different. I mean, you know, I mean, they had midgets, they had Andre, and then just, you know, it's like that today they put character names on guys. Well, back then, everybody, I mean, everybody you seen was a character. I mean, you had Darren Von Raschke, you know, you had Bruiser Brody. Uh, you know, everybody, I mean, you didn't have to give killer Carl Cox. I mean, that was, that was just them. I mean, that was their personality. So they didn't have to change none. And, and, uh, they, and they took an interest in a young kid as being me. And, uh, you know, if, if it hadn't been for all the guys, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be no me, but where I was fortunate, I'd have a run like after me and Tony, then they put me in a single. So I'd have a singles run. The reason I lasted so long in Georgia, I'd do a wild in singles and then they'd Wahoo would come in and I'd team up with Wahoo for, you know, 10, 12, 20 weeks, whatever it was. And then I'd go back to a single. So that kept my longevity really good there. I think it just, just the people. And, and there again, the boys taking just helping me, you know, it had been easy for him to say F is kid, but they all did. They took interest in me and helped me. And of course I listened and learned a lot too. And, uh, you know, I, and, and that's, that's, that's probably the proudest thing for me too. Is just, just the guys in the business, you know what I mean? Cause guys have trouble with guys. And, and I can honestly say maybe one or two guys that I had a, you know, 
they didn't think I should be where I was at, you know. But but it, but as a whole, you know, they all come in and help me because they knew we draw money. So, uh, you know, I was just old cornbread kid. They love to see get beat up, but see me fight back, you know. And and uh, we never let them down. We always give them what they wanted. Tom, Tommy, you, you mentioned some great guys there. You mentioned Wahoo McDonald's, and uh, you mentioned a little earlier statement, the Palmetto, uh, Palmino Club there, there in Atlanta, Georgia, country and western bar. Remember, it had the big horse uh, on the top of it. Were you, were you there when Dusty or Wahoo or Andre tried to climb up on that horse? No, I missed that one. You remember <laughs> the horse, though, right? Yeah, I remember the horse, yeah. Uh, we were there one night, and Andre wanted to climb up on top of the building and get on top of John. Now, this is a Palomino horse, and Palomino Club is off the interstate there. And all you can see is this giant white Palomino. Yeah, it's a big old horse. And Andre wanted to climb up on top of the building and get on that horse and ride him. Of course, I think it was Dusty that was encouraging him to go up there, but uh, – <laughs> Between Jack and myself, we talked him into not going up there. But can you imagine a picture, Tommy, of, of Andre up there on top of there? You know, that, 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 club, that, that club was a lot of trouble for a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, too, we had a great time, too. But Andre, God, God bless him. That's another, you know, another great one we've lost. I mean, uh, but Andre, I remember the first time I met Andre, I, was, I had just started wrestling. And I was in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, anyway, they asked me would I give Andre a ride back because nobody wanted him to ride with him because they break his seats. They said, I, I said, well, I don't care if he rides back with me. And I just bought a new 90s Oldsmobile 98 Regent. said, boy, I thought I was bad, you know. Anyway, so Frenchie was at the hotel, so we had to go back and pick him up. Well, as we're coming in, it's got like a horseshoe curb in there. I hit that curb on Andre's side and that car bounced in the air, I thought, oh, Lord, he picked a backhand me with a big old hand. <laughs> he said, you okay? Okay, boss. Okay, because back then he just spoke a little bit of English. So anyway, we got Frenchie, and I'll never forget, I mean, my first impression is he said, what kind of, what kind of Frenchie said, what kind of beer you drink? I said, I drank them on Pony Miller's back then. Well, they went in, got, got me in the Apex from Louisville to Nashville. That was good for me. Hell, they come out, had me a case of ponies and had Andre a case of quartz. But anyway, I put that little seven-ounce beer in my hand, and Andre had that quart in his hand. Hell, it looked like the, it looked like he had a seven-ounce in his hand. His dang hand was so big. I mean, I just was, you know, mesmerized at that. And then we became friends. Anytime he come to Atlanta, of course, Rick Martell and him was good friends. So anytime he come in – he always would look us up. Well, he'd always, we'd be sick, you know, drinking with him. So one night he come into the Omni and uh, he's, well, he's going out. So me and Rick was really happy. He said, cause everything closed at 12. So we thought, man, we got it made tonight. You know, we'll have a few drinks. And of course, Omni didn't get old about 10, 30 or so. Anyway, 12 o'clock come, they said, last call. And uh, Andre said, after Irish Bar, he knew where a damn after we never heard of it, stayed in Atlanta. And he said, We go to after Irish Bar, boss. Anyway, so we get in the car and go there. And we start drinking. Hell, I said, I knew we was going to get towed up. I said, Give me a vodka, uh, vodka grapefruit. Anyway, I drank that thing and I slammed it down. I said, Hey, boss, they wasn't even nothing in there. He looked at Bartender and he said, 
Anyway, that bartender poured it again. It didn't have nothing but a little color to it. I drank it. It ended up that I finally got sick. Well, no, at 3 o'clock, they started cooking breakfast. I just said, breakfast? I started smelling that stuff cooking. I got sick. I run in the bathroom. When it had a bathroom stall and a urinal. When the bathroom stall was locked, I heard somebody, they was hollering for that Buick they sell. So I hit that little urinal. I was sick of the dog. Come to find out it was Rick Martell in the stall. He was in there throwing up too. We ended up, they had a little L-shaped bench outside. I was laid on one, Rick was laid on the other. When Andre comes out and picks us up in his arm and carried us to the car. Yeah, Andre, he was there. Yeah, I loved Andre. <laughs> hey, Tommy, go back to Gerald Briscoe and Michael Hayes running over you in a car. Isn't that a felony? Well, they'd have thought felony if they'd have hurt me. Mr. Barnett would have been mad at both of them. <laughs> yeah. We're both been fired. That's what I told uh, uh, damn Michael Hayes. I said, uh, you know, he said, I bet, I bet he, uh, we were inside the car as you were walking up the hill. You got, what do you got mad at us or something? We were across the street drinking. Just to, just to clear things up, we, we, we did drink and drive back to the hotel. We parked at the hotel. Yeah, we was at the across hotel. across the street to another hotel. And drank them dry, and I think we got asked to leave. So Tommy was mad and started walking up the hill. And Michael and I got in the car because we were too drunk to walk up the damn hill. <laughs> and Michael elbowed me, Tommy. He said, I bet you won't run over wildfire. I said, You want to bet? And boom. And like you said, the last thing I remember is you coming up over the damn windshield, breaking the rearview mirrors, breaking. And I walked back, Tommy, okay? And you set up. Are we going to drink any more beer or something like that? <laughs> Let's go. And then you started, and you got mad, and you started, well, I don't know why you got mad. We were running over, but you got run over yeah. with the car. Yeah, he walked on up the hill, went to his room. <laughs> I can't, I, and still to this day, I, don't, I, I guess I should apologize today. I'm sorry I ran over you. But yeah, yeah well, I'm saying, man, I did. Uh, Freebird, you know, we just ran over the damn franchise out there. Yeah. <laughs> Here we're coming yeah. back. I remember I got that damn briefcase. I got like $35,000 in that damn briefcase because we did a couple of spot shows. And back in, you had to carry that cash hey. around with you. So, um, you know, I, I was worried I was going to lose that. So I had that damn briefcase handcuffed. So I could just imagine the damn cops coming. And Michael tells the story <laughs> about the band coming over. And making a challenge and Michael putting up the money in the briefcase on a takedown that I could take the damn guy down. Uh, Michael, <laughs> it's me. I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. was Wah Wahoo McDonald's. You had a lot of nights with Wahoo, I know. You, you do do have any memorable stories that we, we can tell on a family show? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. I guess, I guess not. Uh, <laughs> we, anyway, you was wrestling Columbus, Georgia. And uh, well, both of these acting out of Columbus. One day we had to do TV. My deal was always signing autographs and hugging the girls and all that. But Wahoo get mad. So anyway, he took off and left me. And I thought I looked everywhere for him. I had to catch a plane back. And he got me a little, little snabless. <laughs> I owed him some money for that. Anyway, I flew back. I had to get my wife to pick me up at the airport. And we hauled ass. It was up by Tacoa, Georgia, which was a pretty good haul. 
drove up there, and Oahu, he just thought that was funny. Oahu, I said, that's some bullshit, man. He said, I just don't – he said, I said, hell, I had to buy a ticket. This, that. He said, well, don't worry about that little package. I got you. We but, but he just – he everything was always – then one night we – they were making – you used to go up Interstate 85, and they were cutting 185 over to uh, Columbus. Well, they'd been working on it, and uh, he decided one night – my wife was with me even then. He decided we was going to go back to Interstate. It ought to be pretty much ready. When we get about halfway down, what it was, we was trying to hurry up and get back to Atlanta for the bar. And uh, <laughs> anyway – we got about halfway down in the dang bridge. You couldn't get over the bridge because it's a big old concrete thing. So anyway, he looked over and there's an old logging road across. Now he takes this brand new Lincoln, son, and we go down this hill and just a little bit. Of course, I mean, they drove the big dump trucks across it, but I was scared to death. We hit that ramp, boy, and he had to punch it to get up that hill. I'm thinking, Somebody seen this crazy shit, man. I mean, yeah, brand new Cadillac. He he taking a shortcut to get home so we could go to the bar, you know. <laughs> Wahoo, yeah, I love Wahoo too. Like on uh Wednesdays when we go to Columbus, I'd have to stop and pick him up sometimes because he knew all the guys on Stuart Avenue running car lots. He'd get a ride <laughs> with one of them down to the golf course about halfway between Atlanta and Columbus, and he'd go down and play golf and bed all day. Sometimes it was good to pick him up, and sometimes it was bad because he'd been lost a bunch of money, and he'd be mad in hell. And then one time, I'll tell you one more story on Wahoo, though. We went out to uh, Texas. He was booking for uh, Joe Blanchard. And anyway, I, my knee had blowed up, and he said, come on out here, man. I said, Wahoo. I said, I can't wrestle. I said, you just waste your money. He said, well, I've done advertising. I need you to come. He said, I'll fly your wife with you. I said, okay. Anyway, I got off the plane, and he had a pill about as big as a half a dollar. You know, it was big. Anyway, broke it in four pieces. He said, here, he said, take take a piece of this. Well, I took a piece. You know, didn't ask what it was, nothing. I just trusted Wahoo. <laughs> anyway, little Mike, he'll take it. So I take it. And he had some of his stuff called DMSO, you know, DMSO, you <laughs> yeah. know, but it was the real shit that you, they put on horses' legs. Right. I'd rub that stuff up. Now you can't buy that. I'd rub it on my leg and you taste it in your mouth. Yeah. We had like 300 miles to go. And by the time I got there, I took all four pieces of that pill and rubbed my knee down. Hell, <laughs> I got in the ring and wrestled, you know. <laughs> I got in the ring. I said, well, I can't believe this. And then we stayed, stayed over in Brownsville, Texas, and uh, he had some gal with him. And anyway, Terry was with me, and he was going to take a B-12 shot, stuck the needle in his butt, and the whole needle bit where no butt was stuck. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was quite the character while he was. Yeah, that's another one we've lost. You know, we've lost a bunch of great folks. I mean, uh, and it's just an honor for me to got to know him and even know his story to tell about him. You know, it's just, just – uh, what a great business. I knew you were a good friend with Dusty Rhodes, and you you had a couple of uh, set to with Dusty, and you teamed up with Dusty. That was the thing about Dusty. Dusty would get a hot baby face, and Dusty would attach himself right to the guy's rear end, wouldn't get away from him until the guy started uh, getting down. So I know you had some a lot of, a lot, a lot of partnership with Dusty through the years. Was he crazy to work with or what? 
Oh, no, I love, I mean, but like, you know, Dusty, I mean, you know, crazy, crazy, fun, crazy fun to work really with. That. Split up, split up with him. So I, I never, you know, he never did really work the territory where me and him was like together, together. You know, he'd come in and like we might team up the Omni or something, uh, you know, but, but I mean, he, yeah, I love Dusty to shit. He bought me and him would get my first pair of cowboy boots. So, man, he, I don't know if he tricked me or not, but he got me something to kill cockroaches in the head, in the corner <laughs> with him on pointed toe. <laughs> yeah. But he said, boy, there's one you need right there. And shit, I listened to him. I bought them. Of course, I wore them out, too, so I guess they was all right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tommy, you, you may be the only witness to this, the fight between Orndorff and Tony Atlas. Both, I think both guys have claimed they won, but you saw it, right? What what happened with the fight between Orndorff and Tony Atlas? Uh, it was just steroids, I reckon. You know, just one word, <laughs> led, one word led to the other about who was the toughest. and They just got out between 22 tractor and trailers. And Tony got a bear hug, Paul bit him, and it was over. You know, it wasn't – it wasn't a whole lot to it. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, I both the guys I had a lot of respect for them, which I love Tony, uh, and Paul Orndorff too. I mean, Paul and me, you know, we wrestled together some. It just it's a sad thing just to see that happen, you know. It ain't uh, you know, I just, Tony had to go to the hospital, right? For the bike. Oh yeah, he bit his ear. Yeah, that's like tetanus or something. Yeah, Tony was in the hospital two or three days from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, it was just a bad, you know, just a bad thing. Just hate to see that stuff happen. What, uh, what, what all did you have? You know, it's really interesting to me that you wrestled mainly two main territories, right? Tennessee and Georgia. And you were, you were a heel in one, a baby face in the other. Did the, did the TVs never cross from W from TBS? How did that work out with you being a heel in one and baby face in the other? No, they, uh, they never did really cross back. I mean, of course, of course, Atlanta TV went into Memphis, but the folks but, but around the country, they oh, oh, Memphis was the only place they seen me healing at. And and the reason that was is because in order to make any money, you had to wrestle Jerry Lawler, hmm. and he was the top babyface. So I just figured it'd be good to be a heel, you know. So, and, and which it did, it worked out real well for me there too. How bored did you get staying under the ring for about six hours when he had that hair match? <laughs> uh, I've been stuck under the ring before, so I, I know what I know what you went through. There ain't no it's boring. You can't get up. You can't stand up. You just oh lord! There. I had I, well, I, the good thing was I just got back from Japan, so I had that jet lag, and uh, I had an air mattress and a six pack of beer under there. You know, I'd, I'd lay there for a while. I'd drink a beer and go to sleep. Wake up, pee in a can, drink another, you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but I didn't really wake up till like, the first match got in the ring. And that Memphis ring was so loud, and they took a bump on it. Hell, it was so loud. I raised up, hit my head on the bottom of, you know, them bars in there, hit my damn head. And, uh, and for a minute, I thought, where am I? I didn't even know where I was at for a minute, you know, and finally come back. But I'll tell you what, it took us that night after all was said and done. Shoot me and Austin Idol was in the ring for about 30 minutes after the match because the people were just mobbing the cage and stuff. They had to call for extra police. It was it was quite it was quite the angle. Who, who gave you the cue to come out? 
the reason I ask is I've been in the ring before in WWE, you know, and you have a monitor under there, so you're able to see when your time is, you know, to, to come out or, or do something. But how, how did you know the time to come out underneath the ring? You were under there for, what, six hours, but you had to Yeah, Paul, L, uh, Paul, Paul uh, Dangerously, he was our manager, and he just dropped down on his knee and motioned me out. Said, come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of course, I've been listening. You know, you listen to it, too. I mean, I could I, – I could tell. I mean, you know, so it was. It was that referee got knocked down, and boom. I mean, it was pretty. You know, I, of course, I was ready to get out too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was quite. It was quite different. Probably one of the strangest things I ever did in the wrestling business. <laughs> the match you had with Buzz Sawyer. I just watched it last night. I found it on YouTube. The Last Battle of Atlanta. Awesome match. There's no TV commentary to it, and. They claimed that that was uh, one of the reasons for the hell in the cell because you had the roof on the cell uh, yeah. there in Georgia. And what an incredible match. And you sold the cage. You sold Paul, Paul uh, uh, Ellering. Ellering, yeah. Ellering may, have been the, Ellering may have been the biggest one in the ring when they finally got him. And he was jacked. Oh, yes, he was, yeah. And, he, you know, he was in that little cage up over the ring. You know, they had him in a cage up over the ring. And then they had the ring fixed where nobody could get in. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been very blessed, man. I've been in some uh, angles that are, you know, still talked about today. So, I, you know, I've just been real lucky, man. Do you, do you like working with Buzz? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, he was, yeah, it was all right. I mean, of course, back then we was all buck wild running 100 miles an hour. So he wasn't too bad. And I just told him, I said, if you hurt me like you hurt some of them other boys, I said, I ain't going to be able to wrestle. And so he never did really hurt me. Now, when Harley, like Harley do that suplex on the floor, he'd always want to try. Like if he'd seen a new move, he'd always want to try it out on me, you know. And so, but anyway, but he never really hurt me too much. But we, I mean, you figure we've run around the country for about two years. I mean, that's, that's a pretty, I, I was probably used to getting beat up by then anyway. <sighs> We had Stan Hansen on, and we're talking about, uh, you know, big moments that kind of make your career because everybody kind of has one. You know, Stan said it was that 1981 match he had in the tennis uh, courts with uh, Andre the Giant when he got to slam the Giant, the Giant, they're rocking back and forth and made Stan in Japan forever. You kind of said the same thing. I heard an interview about Abdullah the Butcher where you go in there that first time with him, and, and you basically was a squash. He, he, he yeah. And he says, one day I'm going to return the favor, kid. And then he does it, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, because I figured he done forgot about that as soon as I walked out the door, you know. <laughs> and it's probably a year later, whatever, Wahoo. There again, Wahoo got in the fuss with Ole and, and left. And so the main event was supposed to be Wahoo and, and uh, Abdullah. So anyway, they asked Abby who he wanted to work with. And Abby said, give me the kid. They all called me the kid. And uh, we went out there and he said, he I, we'd follow around the building and everything, and he said, slam me, kid. Shoot, I'd probably 220 pounds, maybe soaking wet. And he was 400 or plus, you know, that was back when he was big, big. He said, slam me. And I thought, he just fixing to embarrass me. I know I can't slam him. Anyway, finally, I reached down and grabbed him. He was, shoot, he went up like he weighed 100 pounds. I got him up over my shoulder, and I slammed him. Uh, that whole building went like, Whoa. I mean, I still get goosebumps about that today. I mean, and and that was another thing, you know. Just everybody, you know, they all, what was said was what guys did, you know. And and uh, 
it just each thing made me, you know, more and more get to tag with like guys like Wahoo and Rick Martell. I mean, I teamed up, you know, some of the best other guys too, you know. I mean, Tommy, uh, I, there was a reason. Tommy, there was a reason for that because you were selling out every damn where you went. You were hot. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, he's all blessed. I mean, we did good, and uh, I mean, shoot, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm very humbled by it. I mean, you know, I, back then I didn't know, you know, what was what really anyway. But now I know that we did draw some big bucks and, and uh, that I was over really good. You know, just back then it was just fans. And, uh, you know, of course, you know you're selling out, but it, it takes a package. It takes a whole package, I think, too. But we were hot back then. But the 80s was hot. You know, the 80s, you know, so – it just was all a blessing to me, and I still, you know, I still proud to just even get to be in there. And, and uh, you know, some people say you didn't hold that NWA title very long. Well, but I did hold it, and I mean, I, I'm in a group that with you and the Funks and Dusty and, and Harley Race. I mean, you know, Harley, man, that was that was all Harley putting that belt on me then. Uh, okay, I, I, great, great. I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be my next question. Kind of walk us through the step. I mean, I, and I honestly, I got to tell you that when 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 I found out they were putting it on, I, we, Jack and I were thrilled to death. But we thought it was going you were going to get a run. Was that the plan all along? Was it just a plan for a short time or what? See, I don't, I don't have a clue. I mean, that's when they had the board stuff. I mean. That was a lot of Harley's doing. I don't know if he just did it and uh, or what the deal was. You know, I mean, Harley, he t- Harley taught me so much, too. Well, did Barnett come to you or did Ole come to you? Who who broke the news to you? Actually, Harley that? told me that night. That, that night. Wow, you yeah. didn't know until that night. Yeah, I didn't know until that night, yeah. Yeah, it was, what, what, oh, it was, you yeah. And I'll never forget, Andre was there, you know. He come down and put me up on his shoulder. I mean, it was you know that was a big thing, and uh, I mean that you know that's another landmark too. I mean, just to get to be mentioned as a world heavyweight champion in the names that you know that there, you know that's uh, that's another honor itself. You know, I've, I've been you know like I said, it's just been a great blessing for me to uh, got an opportunity to get in this business and and got to do all the things I did get to accomplish. Now, and when Harley it came up, time to give it back, did did did, did, did you just know uh, when they come to you that night and say you're going to give it back tonight? Or did yeah, you know? yeah. I'd, well, they didn't let me know we was going to drop it back at, to Harley and Gainesville, you know. So it was. I guess it was kind of pull a shot in my arm, and, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I just know that Harley, oh, Harley had a lot to do with it, Mister Barnett, and uh, I'm sure that some of the other folks in NWA. Promoters wasn't happy with it. So, anyway, it is what it is, but we did it. <laughs> well, Tommy, what it was is you were the hottest guy in the country at that time. So, they 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 used their, their common sense and their business sense and, and, and gave it to you. And, and just all they did was reinforce what you had already proven to them, that you were the best in the world at that time there. So, man, I like you say – to be listed, you know, as NWA champion, I mean, when that was the belt that everybody wanted, you know, that was the Oh, champion. yeah, because, I mean, that was back then. I mean, that was, you know, there wasn't five belts. I mean, the NWA World Heavyweight title, that was that was the epitome. I mean, that's what, you know, 
uh, everybody, I mean, you tried to work for. I mean, and to get the opportunity and the, and the chance and then to get to do it and wear the belt, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it just, uh, I mean, people ask me, that's one of the greatest things that ever happened. Abdullah the Butcher, I mean, that's that was a great stepping stone for me. Hiding under the ring in Memphis, you know, I mean, there have been so many things that, that I've been got to be a part of that's just, uh, you know, that still remember today, you know, that uh, it's just a blessing. And like, and like you were saying to Mr. Barnett, Jim Barnett, uh, to everybody out there, Jim Jim was probably one of the most unique promoters in, in the entire United States. And you gained his trust and everything. And you guys, you guys had a had a great friendship. Did that friendship last uh, after you left uh, left Georgia and after after you kind of departed? Well, Georgia? we always stayed in contact. I mean, you know, because I'd go because I never I never had to go. You know, I'd go to Tennessee for a while and then I'd come back. You know, to Georgia. So I never, you know, them them were my two like homes. I mean, other guys had to travel all over the country, you know, I mean, you, you went to different areas and went to different places. I, you know, I was fortunate. I mean, uh, that, uh, just that Mr. Barnett had interest. But like you said, we drew, I mean, we drew money then too. So, I mean, so I didn't have to go. I mean, if I hadn't been drawing money, I'm sure I'd have to go somewhere else, but we were drawing money, you know, so it was all good. But Mr. Barnett was always a good man to me. I mean, of course, I ain't never heard nobody say nothing bad about him. I don't know. No, I, no, I, I, Jim, Jim was a class man, a class guy to work for. But you know, I, I find interesting too that that was towards the end of your career, but the beginning of your career, when you very first started, I was, I was reading, uh, reading something where you worked at your grandpa, your papa's gas station, it was where everybody stopped to fuel up on the way, and how you got in the business at, at that time. You want to walk us through that? Oh yeah. Well, uh, Eddie Marlin, and my dad, they were good friends. And uh, anyway, they both went, they both went down to train to, to the school and was gonna try out. Anyway, I guess my dad must have got his ass whooped and uh <laughs> he he hung it up that one time. Well, Eddie stuck it out, and I used to go to the Braskin with Eddie and stuff, and I had a job at the Shell, like in high school, I worked at the Shell station, and uh at the there was a Gulf station next to us. And all the guys would come over there. And, of course, I knew Eddie. And I used to go with uh, Eddie and Tommy Gilbert. I'd go on trips with them and shoot. And, you know, you think you're smart, but you ain't. And them bounty hunters would pull up beside them, and they'd start shooting each other birds and shaking fists at each other. I thought, oh, shit, this stuff ain't going to break loose before we even get to the town, you know. I mean, I was a believer, you know, and uh, – but then, and then uh, my mom and dad got a divorce. Jerry Jared had me a partial scholarship to Louisville, Kentucky to play football. And uh, anyway, my mom and dad got a divorce and I couldn't afford to go and talk to Jerry. And uh, anyway, they trained me. I wrestled in school a little bit. Anyway, they trained me. And uh, first, the training at first, though, Jerry Jared would say, Come to my house, be here at this time. I did that for about two months showing up. And they'd be leaving to go on a wrestling trip every time. He was just trying to run me off, so what he was doing, but I kept coming back. Finally, he said, Well, hell, we ain't gonna run this kid off. So anyway, they trained me and and uh rest of it, I reckon it's history, you know. But yeah, I grew up around like just going and uh even when I was a kid, I used to be my dad used to go. So it was, you know, I grew up watching it and being around, and it was just just a great honor to be in it. Was Tojo Yamamoto the one that trained you for Jerry? 
Yeah, yeah. I did, I'm telling you, I didn't train a whole – yeah. Me and him went to the gym a few times, but uh, we got to Tupelo, Mississippi one night, and they told me I was going to wrestle. And the rest of my training just pretty much come from getting in the ring and wrestling after that because I wrestled – of course, I wrestled Phil Hickerson first night, and Phil could wrestle good. And me and him, I mean, you know, for my first match, it's a pretty good, you know, good match. Then I wrestled his partner the next night in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Tank Patton, and he weighed about 300 pounds. They'd been working about six months. And he had two left feet, and, you know. I had a right and a left, but they wasn't, you know. So, anyway, it was one end of the people was going, shoo <laughs> so, so, I thought, I thought maybe the same for me, but, you know, I stuck it out and everything, and it all worked out for the best. Do you ever kind of, you know, you were the hottest guy in the country in the early 80s. Then WrestleMania starts, say, in about the mid-80s. You went up and worked for Vince Sr., but you didn't want to go to New York, did you? I mean, you didn't want to be part of that whole WrestleMania and the travel and everything, right? Yeah, pretty much. I went up, Mr. Barnett told me, he said, Tommy, my boy, he said, you've got to wrestle in the gardens one time. And that was when the senior was alive. And so I went up and wrestled then. I wrestled Johnny Rods, uh, come back and uh, – it just, I, you know, I was a country boy, and I was making money at home even even after, you know, uh, it shut down. I wrestled for Ann Gunkle some, and she paid me good money. Uh, so I just, you know, I just never had to leave. And, of course, I had a wife and three kids. And, and you know, like I said, I was a country boy, and uh, that was the big city. <laughs> so I was scared I'd get lost up there, I reckon. I don't know. I, Look back and maybe I should have gone. Maybe I should have, you know, but hindsight don't matter anyways. So I'm happy with what I've done. And then when Jim Crockett kind of took over, you you didn't see that eye to eye with with Jim Crockett, did you? Apparently you're you're good friends with David, but Jim, you would just never. Yeah, I did, I, they didn't care too much about me. I, they didn't. Uh, they thought I was just a wild young kid. I reckon. Well, pretty much was probably right, but I always <laughs> always did my job. You know, I mean, if they told me to go. 45 minutes, I'd go 45 minutes. If they said go an hour, I could go an hour. You know, I mean, what you did in your private life, they did, you know, in Georgia, it didn't matter. You know, just come do your job, and that's that's all that mattered. So, you know, that's I think that's why I enjoyed Georgia so much. I mean, it just was uh, – it was good. It was a good place for me, man. <laughs> Smoky Mountain seemed like kind of the territory that you would like. Uh, with with Cornette and all the guys there, the kind of geography. Did you enjoy being in uh, Smoky Mountain? Yeah, Smoky Mountain was cool too. I mean, it was it was good till it wasn't. I mean, when they quit, you know, couldn't pay the bills and stuff like that. And you got a couple of checks. It wasn't no good. It was, you know, you know, time put to go. on things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you never really wanted to be a trainer necessarily. I mean, you got so much knowledge. I would look that match I watched with you and Buzz. That thing was masterpiece. Uh, the, the last battle in Atlanta. You never really wanted to be a trainer. I know you opened up a gym there in Myrtle Beach for a while. Probably the wrong place to open it up, but you never really wanted yeah. to be a trainer. It was a hard market. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but it was. You know, Myrtle Beach, it's, uh, I mean, it's a great place to vacation, but it's, a, you know, it's a seasonal place. Uh, you know, during the summer, it's, it's jam-packed, and during the winter, ain't nobody there. So it was it was a hard market. Plus, I mean, you know, like, say, for instance, Georgia, you got Tennessee, Alabama, and all these other states, 
states that joined it to where people could come in, where it's there. You had South Carolina, North Carolina was about the only market you could play to, you know. So, it, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but uh, it just was like you said, it was just wasn't a place to have a wrestling school. Do you ever tell your grandkids, uh, or they, they look at you and you want to tell them, I was the hottest thing in the country at one time before you were born, and they're just like, oh, Grandpa, just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a grandson that lives with me. He he, he finally knows now. He used, he used to kind of shake his head, but now he knows. He's, he's seen he me found going to conventions huh? and stuff. Jerry he found, he found that YouTube, YouTube, found YouTube, and found uh, Grandpa all over YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, and he sees me going doing these conventions and stuff. Now he's figuring, how's an old man like that still going out and making money doing stuff? Yeah, uh -huh. you know, it but is, he's, he's cool, man. He's cool. We had Magnum TA on, you know, who hadn't wrestled a match, I guess, since '86 or whenever it was when he had the the car wreck. He's just as people remember him as vividly now. As, and they a lot of them weren't even born. And the same with you. Doesn't that amaze you sometimes that that was so long ago? Not look, I'm all the same age as you. Not near as old as Jerry. Jerry's like 128. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it amaze you that it was decades ago and people still act like it was uh, yesterday? Which is oh yeah, cool. that's. I mean, and that's that's the blessing of it. I mean, like these new guys, they don't have, they won't have that longevity. You know, they might be one or two. You know, but they're, I mean. Uh, Shit, the first picture I've seen of Jerry was on Tree Bar, and people still remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for coming on with us. I've been looking forward to you coming on ever since Jerry said we had a chance to get you on. This is a real treat. So thank you well, so much. Hey, thank you all. It's a, it's a pleasure for me, man. Love reminiscing with them old folks. Well, Jerry's the other one. Jerry's the old folk, and he's moving yeah. over. So he looks a lot older <laughs> than he is. Tommy, I'll, I'll always remember Georgia and just the pleasure of traveling with you. And, you know, you travel with a lot of guys back in our days. You know, we, we had a lot, a lot of road miles together, yes, a lot sir. of road hours together. Some of the guys that you enjoyed with, uh, the trips went by like that. Then you'd have to sit in the car with somebody you had nothing in common with. And then those minutes stick away like years. It takes forever to get in town. But you and I and, and that group that we had together up in Georgia, and I mean, uh, we took care of business, but we also, we had a hell of a time. We got to know each other. We got to respect each other and each other's family. And uh, you're a guy that I always hold way up there when I, I list my friends that I really had back in those days. And you're, you're, you're one of the guys at the top of the list. And I always appreciate well, your you friendship. Too. And I always, I always just marveled at at your fire. I mean, you know, when you're a babyface, John, you don't know a lot about being a babyface, but you know no, about no, fire. No, you no, I don't. Heel, <laughs> you were a heel, and no. you worked with the fires babyface and ever and Eddie Guerrero. So you you know you know how to, how to build that fire. But working with Tommy Rich was like working with a pre Eddie Guerrero because you knew you knew. When the time was right, this guy was going to go, and there wouldn't be an ass on a seat in a 20,000-seat building. And uh, he had them all standing and leaving the ring. It was like Elvis leaving the building. 
there was a string of people behind him like like it, it was such a pleasure back in those days tommy and i really appreciate it not only for the cash that you made me but for the friendship <laughs> that you gave me hey hey one quick story you remember the night we wrestled in charleston west virginia holiday inn was next to it i wrestled buzz I, and I, I'd ask that lady, I said, we feed your bar up? Do we get to drink for free? And she said, yeah. And I told Buzz, sorry, and the building was right next to each other. I told Buzz, I got on that PA, said, Buzz, after I kick your ass, we're having a party over at the Holiday and right next door. And we got out of the car, and you're talking about running like, like rock stars, man. We had to run. There were so many people there, and people were mad at the Holiday Inn. They had to call for extra security. We did get a drink free, but yeah, they weren't too happy. And yeah, that was the last time we stayed we there, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you for taking the time. And thank your lovely wife for getting you on Zoom call. And, uh, <laughs> okay, I will. Because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been here. <laughs>